Welcome to the Tired Mummy Podcast, a safe platform where we can openly discuss the highs and lows of parenthood, judgment-free. Join me in authentic conversations with mums and dads from across the globe. Let's help each other feel less alone, let's grow and feel better in our parenting skin together. Come join our tribe while we get into some real talk. And don't forget, bring your coffee. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode six of the Tired Mummy podcast. I'm your host, Alice Lanesbury. In today's episode, I have an amazing chat with Melissa Hayes from Cocoon and Cradle. Melissa is an international board certified lactation consultant and holistic sleep coach. Mel is also a pediatric nurse and midwife. What a magic combination that is. In today's episode, we cover breastfeeding and sleep. Melissa is really passionate about supporting mothers and parents and helping them navigate the enormous amount of conflicting information surrounding breastfeeding, sleep, and early parenthood. If you want to learn some sleep and breastfeeding hacks, this episode is for you. And remember, take what resonates with you and leave the rest. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Good afternoon, Mel. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super excited to dive in to a chat with you. Can you please kick us off and let the listeners know a little bit about you and what's one piece of parenting advice you wish you'd never listened to? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Um, So a little bit about me. So my name's obviously Melissa. So I'm the founder of Cocoon and Cradle, which is a um, holistic and evidence-based support for new mums and pregnant mums and experienced mums, really all mums. Um, (laughs) And I offer breastfeeding and sleep support. So um, I only started that in March last year. Um, Yeah, and it's been amazing to support so many families since then, which has been really, really cool. Um, I think you're probably already going to say a bit about me, but, yeah, I'm a midwife and a paediatric nurse and I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant and a holistic sleep coach as well. So I kind of tie all of those things in together, which is really cool. Um, And then back to your question about one thing, one piece of parenting advice that I wish I hadn't listened to. Oh, it probably would have been when, so I've got two kids. Um, I've got a one and a half year old and a four year old, but it probably would have been when my four year old was a baby, Harvey. I did not, like I was already a nurse and a midwife and everything, but it was so different having your own kids. And especially in regards to sleep, I didn't have any extra training or qualifications back then around sleep. And I think it was just just so much information online, especially from people who probably shouldn't be giving out information. And I was reading a lot of things that were going against my own instincts and what I wanted to do. And I was listening to advice like, you know, you need to making sure that you need to basically push them to like sleep on their own and make sure they're linking their sleep cycles early. And, um, you know, you don't want to pick them up too much and you don't want to feed them to sleep and you don't want to do all these things that, yeah, looking back just like breaks my heart. I know, I did the same thing. Oh, and it's so hard. Like I started doing like a few of those things because I'm thinking, oh, I'm doing something wrong because my baby wants to be held all the time. But literally that's what babies need, like physiologically need. Um. So I think, yeah, if I could go back, I wouldn't have probably listened to that advice um, with all the stuff that I was reading because, honestly, a lot of it is just absolute bull when you realise and look into it yourself and do a bit more study. You just realise that there's no research behind any of that. All the research that is out now is all promoting responsive care and not any of those really old-school, unresponsive ways. 
Um, so yes, I guess it's probably what I would have not listened to, not listened to any of the confusing, outdated advice that made me feel like I was doing something wrong or that my baby was broken. Yeah, I could have said exactly the same. Honestly, I just felt like I was listening to myself then. I feel like so many, I feel like so many mums, you know, experience the same thing. And that's why I wished I'd come across you a lot sooner. (laughs) It was really important, the work that you're doing. Um, So what led you down the road to doing all this inspiring work that you're doing with women? Because you're doing a lot of different things. Yeah, I think it was definitely after I had my second child, Harper, so she's one and a half now, probably that I noticed it more, but just kind of being in the parenting space and when you're a new mum, you're out with obviously kind of getting to know other new mums as well and on different Facebook groups and chats and things and there was just so much misinformation out there and so many people, like, you know, for example, I was on like a Facebook group for the spring babies or whatever it was, you know, 2021. And there was just so much information and really bad advice and really unsafe advice, like being given out to these mums who obviously just wanted some help and wanted support, but didn't know where to get it. And so we're going to these groups to get answers. And then these people who weren't really qualified or shouldn't have been giving answers were giving these answers. And I was just reading them and just going like, oh, like what, this is just not the way it's supposed to be like these mums deserve more support and better support than what they're getting and yeah I think it was just literally like the sheer volume of misinformation that I was seeing out there um I kind of had enough of it and I was like I felt like I knew a lot of these answers to these questions that people were asking and I was like well I'm just gonna put myself out there and create this business and do a bit of extra training so that I can support mums in this way and you know yeah offer them that kind of I suppose, mini village because it's just there's no kind of village at the moment at the moment, like where we are in our culture, you're kind of on your own. So I wanted to create a space that was full of support that was actually evidence-based and actually holistic um, and that's kind of where I where I started. So good. I'm so glad <laughs> that you decided to do that because, like I said before, there's just not enough of you. Um, even when I, I think I was three months down the track and I reached out to a lactation consultant, it was so hard to get someone like, like there are a lot of them, but there's the the one that I had gave me not great advice now looking back on it, but even still, like it was so hard to find someone. It ended up just being a telehealth consult um, and yeah. then a month later, I found someone else who actually came in. Um, but yeah, it's just we need like you times a hundred in like <laughs> in every town. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to get support, and even um, like I've got a really really good friend who's a pediatric nurse, and you know she was even finding herself like that when she had her baby she found it so, so hard to find a lactation consultant and to get support. And it's just, it just adds to the stress, I think. Like when you're already sleep deprived and you've got a newborn baby and then you're on top of everything else that's going on in your life, you're then expected to try to find this support and it's not really readily available. Like people don't know where to look at it because it's not easy to find. Um, Yes, so I definitely feel you. But people like you are changing it. It's good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just wanted to ask can you please tell us a little bit about your business cocoon and cradle and your philosophy 
Yes, sure. So um, my whole thing is focused on responsive feeding and parenting and biologically normal sleep. Um, it's got a really strong family-centred focus and really surrounding, like building your parental confidence. So kind of like how the cocoon creates this really nurturing environment for the butterfly to, you know, transform. It's almost the same with like mums. Like they need this really supportive environment in order for them to transform because it is this massive transformation becoming a mother. Um, it's just huge. And I feel like it's only kind of nowadays that it's like matrescence and everything's started to be spoken about a lot more, which is really cool. So, yes, that's what I'm trying to do is cocoon you with support to build your parental confidence that you feel really calm and empowered and confident caring for your baby and definitely a massive focus on um like I've mentioned it before, but really holistic and evidence-based care because a lot of the support that I was finding that was out there as well wasn't evidence-based or it was based off really old, outdated evidence that's no longer relevant today. So that's kind of my philosophy behind Cocoon and Cradle and how I support families in that way, which I think is, yeah, a bit different to some other businesses that are out there and as well because I've got the different qualifications that allows me to really pull it all together because you'll find that like feeding and sleep and health and development are all linked. And so because I've got kind of a really great um, education in all those different areas, it allows me to tie in different things and I suppose like find different like identify the root cause of different areas, which maybe somebody else might not be able to see if they're just focused on sleep and don't have any other, like don't have any lactation education or the other way around. So that's how I think it's a little bit different. I think that's really important in this space. Yeah, I, think, I just don't think you can be one thing anymore. I think you no. do have to have um, a wide range of um, education in this area. Like you said, it allows yeah. you to tie it all together. Yeah, exactly, because I feel like they they really are also interlinked, especially like if you're a breastfeeding mum and you are having sleep issues. Like as you say, if you go to a sleep consultant that's telling you like cuddle feeds or go on like a strict schedule or something, like they might be giving you advice that then undermines your, you know, can reduce your supply or interfere with your breastfeeding experience and they might not realise that. So it is, yeah, it is super, super linked. So it's really handy to have that extra knowledge, I suppose, so you can support mums in that way too. Now, I'm sure everyone is dying to know your tips on breastfeeding. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are your two or three tips and tricks that you think every mum should know? Oh, something that I love and that I use for myself with both my kids is getting to know how to lie down and breastfeed really early on. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> really early on like I remember being in like hospital after I had heart after I had heart in my first and being like I'm doing this from day dot because there's no way that I'm sitting up and like getting out of bed to feed like we're going to be lying down and feeding especially overnight so that's oh just I just love laying down and feeding it just makes nighttime feeding so we can do it during the day but especially nighttime feeding just so much easier and you get more rest like you actually do get a lot more sleep if you are like lying down feeding because you can kind of be in that drowsy state while you're feeding. But I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend that. Um, and kind of tying into that point as well, I feel like if you have some good breastfeeding education while you're pregnant, it makes that whole transition to breastfeeding a bit easier because I feel like the worst time to learn is when you're so sleep deprived and overwhelmed and leaking from like everywhere. <laughs> having that knowledge prior just kind of sets you up so that when you do then start to breastfeed you've got some of that education already yeah um and I kind of saw you being like yes lie down breastfeed yes I both those things I 
I read a whole book on breastfeeding when I was pregnant. And then yeah. once I became a mum, I could not remember one thing in yeah. the book. Like you need a person. Like <laughs> you need support. I wish I had learnt to breastfeed laying down from the beginning because you, even though you're sitting up or like you're in like a reclined position, like it, your body is still, you know, tense and working. Like you said, you just get so much more rest when you're lying down. Oh, yes. I yeah, definitely recommend lying down breastfeeding. Um, and then oh, some other tips would be, so breastfeeding on demand, I would definitely, definitely suggest that. So if anybody's telling you that you need to have really like scheduled and strict feeding times, I would just completely disregard that because breastfeeding on demand is honestly the best thing for you and your little one. Um, and I think as well in saying that, just understanding that when you have a little one, you're not, even if you are breastfeeding on demand, you're probably not going to have these like set three hourly scheduled blocks of feeding. Like even now I'm still feeding my one and a half year old and it's just all over the place like it's so common to have you know especially when they're young like eight to twelve breastfeeds a day and yeah. completely all over the place like they're not going to be in a set order it's not going to be every three hours that they're coming to you for a feed like they may feed and then feed again 45 minutes later and then feed again 45 minutes later and then feed again two hours later and then feed again one hour later so just knowing that it's not going to be that beautiful nice structured picture that you may have had in your head yeah yeah I think that's important to know because I am one of those people that loves to have structure. And I just felt yeah. like in those newborn days, you just, there's so much information. And I got told, oh, as soon as possible, make sure you feed, sleep, play, or feed, play, sleep, whatever it was. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I hate now. <laughs> and I'm just like, no wonder my child was screaming. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to eat. Like, yeah, and yeah. feeding to sleep as well is the most naturally, like, biologically normal thing for a baby to do. So especially if you're getting, oh, yeah, I don't agree with the, I don't agree with any of those routines, but especially if you're being told to do that from the beginning, your baby's like, well, what are you talking about? I have this tiny tummy and I need to eat. And it's really relaxing and comforting, like, feeding and then going to sleep. So <laughs> what are you doing, woman? <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to do? Oh, and the other tip I was going to say is um, just knowing how to get support so that if you do need it, like knowing where to go for that. Or even if your partner looks, you know, if your partner knows how to do it. So when you're in the middle of the night, go like, I need help. He can be like, oh, well, there's this place. Because I feel like just even knowing that the Australian Breastfeeding Association has a 24-hour number that you can call anytime is so handy to know. Because then if you're it's 2 a.m. and you just need to talk to somebody, you can give them a call or knowing um, that LCANS, which is Lactation Consultants of Australia and New Zealand, they have literally a big button on their website that says find a lactation consultant and it will tell you all the IBCLCs, which is International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, literally within like a five-kilometre radius of your house. That's amazing. So you can go there as well. So I feel like those kind of top two things of resources, even if you just know those two, can get you out of a lot of trouble. Amazing. So... For everyone listening, I will get those links and resources off you and put them in the show notes as well as links to your website and your social handles because I think that will make life easier for a lot of mamas who are listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, how is a holistic sleep approach different to all the traditional sleep methods that we are seeing everywhere on social media, like all the sleep training? We're just inundated as mums on social media. How is the holistic different? Yes, it is honestly so 
overwhelming I feel like for new mums getting on social media and seeing all of these different approaches and responses and information um, so holistic sleep coaching is really different to traditional sleep training and that traditional sleep training is more based on your behavioral approach and you're removing that responsiveness to get a result in your child um, which is often what you see when you think of things like cry it out or modified cry it out versions so you're essentially taking away your responsiveness in order to teach your child to self-soothe which is complete bs <laughs> and um at all it does is teach your child that you're not coming back and they kind of give up asking for you so holistic sleep is different in that we're not taking away any responsiveness at all we're actually giving extra responsiveness in order to help your child sleep and we're looking at the whole picture so sleep isn't just based on one thing it's really multifactorial and based on a whole heap of different components and a main component of that is connection and relationship as well so it's focusing on that as a major player but then also looking at all the other factors that come into the picture so it's really about looking at your relational, psychological, you know, development. It's looking at everything really and pulling it all together to kind of create the best sleep environment for you and your family. And often, you know, it's never ever about leaving your child to cry alone. Um, that will never, never be recommended. But sometimes um, if, if there's ever a case that your child does cry, you would always be with them. But that would be like, you know, not something that normally really happens. But Often it's just things that you can make like slight tweaks and that's all you really need to help to get more sleep. So looking at the environment and your nap timings and your lifestyle and yeah, your relationship with your little one is a whole heap of different factors. Yeah. I don't every, know if that kind of went off on a tangent. But. Yeah, no, it's good because every kid's different, right? Like it's not ever going to be one thing. It could be multiple things. Yeah, that's right. Every child's so different and every family is so different and what, works for one child might not work for another child and it's really about identifying yeah what's going to work for that specific family what do you think is the gentlest way to encourage self-soothing throughout the night for older babies if self-soothing is even a thing because I'm starting to think it's a myth <laughs> yeah so self-soothing is essentially this made-up term based from a researcher called Thomas Anderson who in the 1970s he did this research about babies and he essentially grouped babies into two camps and one he called self-soothers and one he called signalers. And he never, ever put out the concept that babies must self-soothe or that they must teach themselves to sleep independently. All he did was point out that these are the two different kind of groups that babies tend to fall into, that both are completely normal, that nothing is wrong with either one of the groups. Um, and the self-soother babies were more likely to put themselves just back to sleep when they woke up overnight. So all adults and all babies wake up overnight. So we wake up and we'll roll over and get comfortable and move the pillow or pull the doona up and we'll go back to sleep. And generally we don't um, remember it in the morning. Um, and with our babies, if they come out of their sleep cycle overnight, self-soothers, we're more likely to do the same as us. We roll around, you know, get more comfortable, maybe suck on a thumb and put themselves back to sleep a bit easier. Whereas a signaler babies, we're more likely to call out for mum and dad to help them go back to sleep. So he never, ever said that babies have to self-soothe. This was literally just pulled from kind of his research and reworded. So there's no real evidence behind self-soothing. Um, so 
what we know is that no matter if your baby falls into one of those two groups, it's both completely normal and there's nothing wrong with either of those things. But if you've got a baby that's a signaler, you're not going to be able to make them be a self-soother, if that makes sense. So you can't force them to be something that they're not going to be. Um, but what you can do, I suppose, is support them, especially as they get older, to learn to find other ways to fall back asleep as well, which you can definitely do. So it's all about supporting them rather than trying to force them to be something that they're not. So, yeah, just supporting them to find other ways to go back to sleep, layering in lots of independent sleep associations like your, good, your routine, you know, your sleeping bag, your white noise, your comforter if you've got a comforter, and doing all of those kind of things to support them. And eventually all babies do sleep through the night. Sometimes it just takes some babies longer than others. And, again, just coming back to the whole thing that all babies are different. So what works for one baby isn't necessarily going to work for yours. And I think as a society we have this view that babies sleep through the night from really early on when, in fact, they really don't and so we have a baby yeah and we think like at three months oh okay well they're going to start sleeping through the night now like this is when I thought it was going to happen and your baby it might not be till you know eight months or 12 months or 18 months or two years that they start to you know sleep through the night so I think just having an understanding of normal baby sleep is really handy as well yeah like adjusting your expectations yeah exactly and just knowing that we all wake up like we wake up overnight so our babies wake up overnight as well is yeah yeah, it's nice to know I suppose I love it great great advice (laughs) I'm sorry I was just gonna say if it ever gets to the point where you're like where you need support that's okay as well oh 100% that was going to be my next question is um what point do you recommend parents seek help with their kids sleep yeah so it's honestly again so individual so what um you know what one mum can can is happy doing another mum may not be happy doing anymore and again a lot based on your support so some families have really great support networks and extended families and friends and you know their own village that can come and help whereas other families don't have that support so it's really about how you feel um yeah, how you feel within yourself. If you're feeling like you would like some extra support, then by all means seek out and and get some help because there's always things that can be, you know, there's always things that can be adjusted or tweaked in order to improve your situation that you're in at the moment because there's no need. There is a space between wait it out and cry it out. So if you feel like you just can't wait it out any longer or you don't want to wait it out, but then crying it out doesn't agree with you either, which I would never recommend. There's definitely a space in between there to get help. And like I was saying earlier, sometimes it's honestly just a few tweaks here and there that can make the world of difference. Like it might just be that a nap time is tweaked or the environment's changed slightly, just one small thing that can then result in more sleep for everybody. So it's always good, I think, if you are struggling um, to get support and if you're struggling with your mental health from that, to get support from that as well. Yeah, so important. I personally am a person that finds it really hard to ask for help. So if you're listening and you need help, just do it. Yeah. (laughs) Just do yourself a favour. You're already working hard enough as it is being a mum. So if you need help, you deserve it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's just, again, coming back to that village thing, it's not something that we have enough. Hey, like we don't have, we're not living within a community that, you know, that helps us out and does all the cleaning and the cooking and takes care of the mum as well as the baby. It's kind of all on us. And a lot of the time, I think it's not, it's not babies that are broken. Like they've been the same way 
for you know, since the dawn of time, it's us, it's our society that we now not only have to look after this baby, we've got like a thousand things on our to-do list that we're also expected to do. And yeah, the struggle is very real. It is real. All righty. So do you have any advice for those mamas out there that feel like they've tried everything to improve their baby sleep, but nothing seems to be working? (laughs) Save us all, please. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, can be, it can be really 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 tough um I would honestly say maybe try to go back to the basics a little bit so having a look at a few different things that we kind of call quick wins so like going and having a look at your lifestyle you know are you getting some fresh air outside some outside time you know some time in nature because all of that really really helps like are you doing some exercise and is your baby having some time where they're doing some exercise as well because you often find that if your baby's constantly in the pram or the carrier or in something that where they're constrained and they can't freely move their body um, that can kind of interfere with their sleep overnight so you want to make sure that if they're young they've got lots of time on the floor so they can have lots of free play and move their body in any way that feels good for them and if they're older like you've got a toddler that they're having time where they can run around outside and really burn that energy and you'll find the same thing if you're coming up to different milestones like if they're learning how to stand or roll or do any of those wonderful things that that will often keep them up at night because they want to practice these really new skills that they've got so giving them lots of time during the day to practice those is really great um making sure that you've got really good nutrition throughout your day as well so if they've started on solids making sure their meals are lovely full of like the good fats and proteins and carbs and a nice mixture of all of that's really handy having a look at your nap times too and just seeing um, are they ready for a nap transition is that why they're fighting sleep are they having a nap too late in the day are they having too much day sleep and that's interfering with their nights it was a lot of time as well as we get old as our babies and our little ones get older their need for sleep reduces but we might still be expecting them to have the same naps that they were having when you know they were newborn for example and so our little ones only need a certain amount of sleep in 24 hours so if they're having the bulk of that during the day they're not going to want as much of it overnight so that's something else to remember as well and yeah, again having yeah yeah and I think a lot of the things like you often hear sleep breeds sleep So you think, oh, great, well, the more they sleep during the day, like the more they're going to sleep at night. But if you think about it, that your little one, like all babies are different, so all babies have different sleep needs. But, for example, if your little one needed, you know, 15 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period, if they're having a large chunk of that during the day, it's not going to necessarily make them sleep longer at night because they've already had that, that chunk. So it really does make sense when you think of it like that. And personally, I like to think of more like calm breeds calm rather than sleep breeds sleep. So that's another big aspect is your own um, how you are within yourself emotionally and your own anxiety because if you're anxious our babies are like little emotional sponges and they pick up on that really instantly and so then they'll feel anxious because they feel like their primary caregiver doesn't feel safe like something's wrong with them and so it's not safe for me to fall asleep and so going back to your own how you're feeling you know if you're feeling anxious what you can do to calm yourself because your calm energy will rub off on your little ones so it's really crazy how it works how it all works I find it so interesting yeah I often find like when Presley's fighting sleep and I'm starting to get frustrated it just keeps getting worse so I have started implementing like just catching myself and doing some deep breathing and it, it it rubs off on him it and yeah. it just makes the whole process much easier it does hey and even last night like I was putting 
Oh, what was I doing? I was, I was like, I was trying to rush through the bedtime routine last night. And I, you know, I know not to do this. I don't know why I was doing it. I think I had something to do. And then I was like, why am I doing this? Like, just slow down. And literally as soon as I let it go and just stopped trying to rush and just relaxed into it, it was all so smooth and was completely fine. So, yeah, I think that's something too. Definitely catching yourself, like you were saying, if you do feel like you're getting a bit anxious or frustrated and doing whatever you need to do to calm down, whether that's deep breathing or listening to a podcast or listening to some calming music to try to just chill yourself out a little bit. So, yeah, so I feel like checking off a lot of those quick wins can kind of just just making sure that you've got all of that into alignment first and then if you're feeling like you still need some support, again, reaching out for help if you need it. 100%. All right, if you were to go back in time and do anything differently or offer yourself advice as a first-time mum, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I feel like my firstborn, Harvey, I was so different compared to Harper, but I feel like that's, like even without the extra training I've done now, I feel like second time round, it's just that bit easier because you have the foresight that it all that it all comes to an end. Like I think first time round, you're sitting in that dark nursery and they're awake every two hours overnight, and you think, oh my god, this is my life. Like this is this is how it's going to be forever. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm just going to constantly be this sleep deprived zombie. <laughs> second time round, you realise that it's such a it's such a temporary phase and you know, there's ebbs and flows and you'll come out of this phase and you enter another phase and it, it won't stay. You won't have that feeling, um, I suppose, like you're stuck in this perpetual sometimes nightmare <laughs> when you're really not getting any sleep, especially in the beginning. So, yes, I feel like going back and just telling my first time mum self that it will all be okay. This is just a phase. It will come to an end. And again, like you said before, asking for help if you need it, because I'm not the best either I've gotten better but I wasn't the best at asking for help so calling on friends and family and you know they all say like let me know if you need a hand so I know. yeah I just I don't know where along the way we've decided that we have to try and do everything ourselves and if we don't we feel like shit yeah yeah definitely and a lot of the time our friends and our families or whoever you have are more than happy to help like they're they're happy to help it's just that we're not asking for it. And I suppose if you, on the same side, if you are a family member or a friend and you know somebody who's just had a baby, think maybe thinking to yourself, like, they probably need help, they're just not asking for it. So then offering for them and instead of saying, do you need a hand or do you need help, saying like, oh, just so you know, I'm going to drop off dinner at five o'clock or I'm going to come and babysit um, your toddler or I'm going to come take your dog for a walk and just coming and doing something like that is so handy I feel like food is just the best thing ever as well when you're a mum just drop off some food drop off a coffee like, yeah please please do it <laughs> yeah. that was literally my favorite gift like when I had Harper especially I had this amazing friend who dropped off all these beautiful meals and I was just so so grateful you know to have the food because often it's like the witching hour at dinner time and you just can't Worst get time. it that much. yes it's the yeah. worst time to make dinner and so if you don't have support, making dinner either earlier in the day or doing some sort of like meal, um, like food delivery service is really good. I know they've got like special postpartum food delivery services now as well. Yeah. Um, or yes, getting people to drop off food so you just do not have to stress about that or getting somebody else to make it. <laughs> it's the last thing you need to do at that time of day, really. Yeah, and like try and plan for like minimum six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Like because it just keeps going and you're like, oh, 
well then you get to six weeks and then they tend to like get more irritable like from like six from like five or six weeks to 12 weeks they have that real irritable kind of fussy period as well so yeah maybe just like plan for three months (laughs) good idea Uh, thank you so much for joining me today I'm so excited to get this podcast into everybody's ears oh thank you it's my pleasure and it's so nice yeah seeing your face in person and meeting you properly thank you so much for joining me today if this episode resonated with you please leave me a five-star review this helps other mums and dads find the podcast You can also find us on Instagram under the Tired Mummy podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This Tired Mummy is signing out. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know. It's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. rocketmoney.com slash pod24.